Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton. Drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, don't be shy. Shoot me an email. It's chad at chadburton.com. All right, let's get into kind of a market update. I've done a couple shows with Rob in the last few weeks, but um, podcast on the own, just full market update. I'll do that for you today. So where are we as of November 9th before the market opens today? We've got, if we look at our benchmark, the S&P 500, the 500 largest companies in America, but you got to realize that uh, most of the money is in the top 50 companies because it's a market-weighted index. So, you know, you have more than 6% in companies like Apple and things like that. It's not an equal index. It's down 18.64% for the year, including dividends. But um, what's interesting is the bond market, which did actually recover a little bit. If we look at the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index for the ETF AGG, that's down 15.7% for the year at a breakneck pace on increasing interest rates. And when rates on new bonds go up, existing bonds don't look so attractive on paper, so they go down in value. And that's what you're seeing there. Now, if we look at international developed with EFA, the total return is negative 19.9%. With EEM, that's Emerging Markets ETF, that's down 24.67%. And QQQ, Tech Heavy Index, is down 31.92%. Now, if we look at the market a couple of different ways, like if we look at the ETF RSP, which is Invesco's S&P 500 Equal Weighted Index, where if you had 500 bucks invested in that, you truly have a buck in each of the 500 largest companies in America. So you actually have a little bit more weight towards value in that scenario. It's down only negative 12.87%. And if we look at value in particular, and if, you know, if, We've talked about this over the last couple of years. Most people are just just investing in the S&P 500, and I don't think they realized how tech-heavy it had become. If you look at a couple of other ETFs, let's look at MGV, which is Vanguard's mega-cap value ETF. It looks at very large companies that are more value-oriented. So you're going to have you know, more oil companies and a couple other you know healthcare, things like that in there. Down 2.7% for the year is all. VBR, which is Vanguard's small cap value ETF, down 8.96% for the year. So none of these are recommendations. It's just I uh, have a little thing on Y charts, which is something I use every day. Um, It just kind of gives me a barometer of different areas of the market to look at. And it's also a call for diversification. And it's so 
interesting because when people hear that term, I need proper asset allocation, I need diversification, that means I'm going to outperform the market all the time. No, it doesn't. I, I, it's, I think that's part of the problem with the world today and, and expectations of people. What asset allocation and proper diversification means is that you'll typically keep up with the market in the good years, but where it will shine is in the bad years. Where the market falls, it doesn't fall as much. And that becomes more and more important as you age and you get from the point of feeding your portfolio and watching it grow all the time to having to draw on your portfolio the right way and create a portfolio that has you know slightly less volatility and subject to not as far of a drawdown when markets do get tough because markets do get tough All right the markets do get tough we tend to have a bear market well let's let's go through a couple of other things if you look at um, you know, another thing to look at is, okay, how is indexing work versus actively managed? If you look at the Vanguard 6040 fund, VBIAX, which is about 60% U.S. stocks, 40% bonds, it's down 18.1% for the year. So while stocks are not as far down as they went in 2008, um, back then bonds went up in value so it was an offset so this is a worse return that in balanced portfolios investors are seeing since 08 and i i do want to tell you that the news is likely to get worse we're just starting to see it i mean you're just starting to hear about the layoffs and things like that so where are we according to facts at the forward 12 month pe ratios of the fourth is 16.1, which is below the five-year average. The five-year average PE ratio in the S&P 500 is on the high side at 18.5. But we're also below now the 10-year average of 17.1 on the PE ratio, forward PE ratio. That's expectations going forward. So um, we are a little bit above the the forward PE ratio of 15.2 at the end of uh, the third quarter, September 30th. We are a little bit above there because the price of the index increased while the forward 12-month earnings per share estimate has decreased since the 30th. And I think you're going to see more of those estimates come down. So news and results are likely to get worse before this is going to get better. But this is still not a reason that you sell out if you're invested. And it's definitely a reason to continue to buy if you're plugging money into your 401k or you have cash on the sidelines. The average length of a bear market. So what is a bear market? A bear market starts when you basically from at a point where the stock market, the S&P 500 drops 20%. You look at that date of the most recent high to when it finally bottoms out. And that average length of a bear market is 289 days or about 9.6 months. So, I mean, we're already, what, 11 months into that kind of a scenario? And that's a lot shorter than the average length of a bull market, which is usually 2.7 years. So, if you look at the average decline of bear markets since 1946, and that includes the big one in, in 73, 74, uh, the big one in 2008, 2009, the tech bubble and everything else, the average decline is negative 32%. We hit almost about 25% to the downside not too long ago. 
So we're already close to that long average. But that's what I'm saying is when you start to get to real, you know, recessionary type news, if we do have, you know, what's considered a recession, and I think you know, layoffs and things like that, especially in the real estate world, mortgages, you're hearing about tech layoffs, the news is going to get a little worse before it gets better. That's actually usually the time to, number one, make sure you have quality in your portfolio, but maintain your investments. And if you have cash on the sidelines, start averaging in. Because the average return three years after the bottom of a bear market is 38%. 38%. Now, I was uh, using this really cool tool that uh, YCharts put out. So YCharts is... Uh, services it's it's not cheap so it's not where you know the average retail investor goes on and uses it but white charts i i love the this charting tool um and they have a new tools uh, a new tool called the scenario builder and so i said okay let's let's look at a a rough scenario where somebody starts to invest in october of 2007 right before the great recession right before the market bottomed and it took until march of 2009 to, rec- to uh, bottom. It was a slow, slow bleed. There was financial crisis. Uh, mortgages were over leveraged and repackaged and sold as leveraged collateralized debt obligation thingies. You know, I mean, you got to watch that movie to figure that out, right? But um, can't believe I said thingies on air. But anyway, if you would have been, if let's say you had, you're making $80,000 a year and you invested 10% of your money a year into the 401k. You'd have almost $340,000 right now. That's, that's pretty impressive, right? I mean, that, that's continuing to invest and you've seen a bunch of corrections. You saw the credit crisis. Um, you know, you dealt with the correction that occurred after Trump was elected. Um, lots of stuff in between, lots of corrections and still continuing to invest. Putting in $8,000 a year, you'd have three hundred and almost $340,000 right now. Now, let's talk about some favorable comments here. Is, inflation numbers are coming down. Um, you know, we've likely seen peak inflation in most areas, except maybe oil um, and gas, because you, know, you got refinery issues here in the U.S., Retirement planning is more complicated than ever. So set aside the evening of Thursday, November 17th and get ready to learn some strategies from Chad Burton and Rob Black that can help you retire better and pass on your estate while minimizing taxes. This event in Palo Alto will focus on retirement income and tax planning. If you're nearing or in retirement, this seminar is for you. Chad will explain how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts to draw from first, how to protect your estate from long-term care costs, and much more. Learn how to invest during high inflation and interest rate moves, social security strategies, and managing IRAs and 401ks in retirement. Rob Black will share market happenings and trends. That's Thursday, November 17th, 6.30 p.m. at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. Sign up for the event at chadburton.com. Only $25. And for podcast listeners, we'll waive the fee. Just use promo code EVENT25. That's chadburton.com, promo code EVENT25. Let's continue to talk about the stock market a little bit. And um, we'll, we'll approach it in terms of a balanced investor and what to expect. Because... Like I mentioned in the show already, if you look at the average decline in a bear market since 1946, the average decline is is 32%. Now, we hit a, a low for the year down 25% not too long ago. The thing I want to point out is the average return. Again, I always want to point this out. The average return that I've looked at three years after the bottom of several of the last bear markets since 1942 is a 38% return three years after the bottom. 
All right. So even though while I've said the news could get worse in terms of earnings and layoffs, and yeah, who knows? You, you could see another 10% downside on the market before it goes back up. I don't know. You know, I don't have a crystal ball. If I did, I wouldn't be spending my time talking to you on air here. But this is another example of why you don't sell out, especially even when you're you're retired. So what I did is I looked at, I used the Y charts new scenario tool to say, okay, what if I um, was a person that was a, a balanced investor and I didn't need any money right now, but I, I was going to put a million dollars into Vanguard balanced index fund, VBIAX. And this is not a recommendation. I don't own the fund. I don't recommend it. Um, consult a broker advisor before taking any action. It's just, a, it's a barometer I use. I just look at, okay, what's a no work approach to a balanced portfolio? How is it doing versus actively managed? So if you would have taken a million dollars and invested October 1st, 2007, you're looking at towards the end of the, uh, the end of the correction, February of 2009, the end of February, you'd have received a statement showing about $685,000 on that balanced 60-40 fund. But guess what? That account would have recovered back to a million dollars October of 2010. So That was a three-year ride, right? October of 2007 to the bottom of March of 2009, back up to full recovery, October of 2010. So wild ride. Guess what? Your value would have been somewhere by uh, November 8th, 2022, if you would have stayed fully invested in reinvesting dividends and things like that, probably would have been a value of 2550000 somewhere around in there. So a lot of people ask, okay, is the 4% rule dead? You know, can you take money out? So I took that same scenario and I said, okay, what if a person was retired and they needed 40 grand a year out of their million dollar investments? They decide to retire in a 60-40 balanced portfolio like that and using those same returns out of Vanguard Balance VBIAX, put a million dollars in. But in this scenario, I'm taking out $10,000 per quarter so every 3 months for my to to get my 40 grand per year out of the portfolio now this would have been an even scarier situation because this retired person starts selling as the market's declining so by the end of february 2009 at the bottom of the stock market during the great recession their 1 million dollar would have been would have been worth 640,000 dollars quite scary to look at right they did finally recover, but because they were drawing on the stock on the portfolio as it declined, it took them until March of 2013 to fully recover. This is why I always say you need five to seven years worth of, uh, of an income plan, three years worth of safe money and enough dividends and interest and other assets to get you through these periods of time that can last five to seven years. But that portfolio still would have recovered and been $1 million March of 2013 as they still continue to pull out $10,000 a quarter. And by now, November 9th, 2022, this person would have pulled out $390,000 over that period of time. And the portfolio would be worth $1,450,000, grand more than what they started with on October 1st of 2007, the scariest time to invest since I've been in the business in 1993. During these corrections, those are usually the best time to invest. So... You know, this is this is the time to average in cash, continue to buy. It's not the time to sell. 
It is time to look at your portfolio and say, what do I own? Do I still own way too much ex- expensive, large growth? Do I have other asset classes? What should I be doing with my bond portfolio? Maybe, maybe look at individual bonds, things like that now. But this is why I, I preach as you go into retirement, five years away from retirement, your portfolio typically wants to be three years worth of portfolio draws in safe money. So again, that math is not expenses. What you do is you take your entire expenses, you take all of your living expenses, your healthcare costs, your assumed annual tax bill as you start drawing money out, minus your automatic income sources. That could be some dividends and interest on your taxable account if you have one. It can be your pension, your social security, some dependable rental income if you have that. And the remaining number is your annual portfolio draw. And that's the number that you only want to be taking in good years in the market. So you have three years worth of that number safe. And then on a quarterly basis, you do a review and you say, okay, is the market up? If the answer is no, then you live off of some of that cash. If the market, I'm sorry, if the market is down, (laughs) you live off the cash on the sidelines. If the market is up, you peel enough growth off to replenish the cash that you've spent. So you're actively trimming in positive quarters and you're living off of your cash, your dividends and interest, and your automatic income at the negative times. And mathematically, you're going to get likely a much better result. And you're going to be able to sleep a lot better at night because you're going to see these bear markets every, you know, somewhere between four and seven years. So that's a lot of bear markets you're going to see in retirement. It's part of investing. The stock market will treat you extremely well over long periods of time, but it's the mistakes that you make in the short term that can cause the issue. And let me just give you a quick S&P 500 example too. So if you would have invested in the S&P 500, um, I think I used SPY in this example, um, which is an ETF that tracks the S&P 500 and reinvested the dividends. If you would invest October 1st, 2007 with that million dollars by uh, November, even with all those corrections, if you would have not taken any money out, and you would have just left the money in being reinvested, you would have had over $3,380,000 by now. Despite all the bad news, despite COVID corrections, despite the corrections that we're having now, and all of the in-betweens, the stock market treats you very well over 15, 20-year periods. But unfortunately, a lot of people make the mistake of finally getting in once the news is telling them how good the returns are. And then they buy the stuff that's already done well. And then that comes crashing down. And so then they cash out and then they ignore the market again until they get back into that same cycle, the the FOMO cycle. And uh, unfortunately, social media pushes that on us and our kids quite a bit. So we have to be aware of that. Market's going to treat you really well over time if you approach it in a really smart fashion. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. All right, let me, let me try to hit this example again because I want to really push this home. Um, if you're a balanced investor and you're worried about retirement and you know how, how you can draw money out, you feel like, gosh, the market just hasn't treated people well. I feel like that's a lot of news. And I feel like what's happening 
as I've discussed on other shows, is the news really starts to report on the fact that returns have been great towards the top of a bull market. It sucks people that hadn't been investing in and it pulls them into high flyer stocks that are already way too expensive. They start investing and those are the first ones that crash and then they sell out and then they say, oh, the stock market's terrible and it doesn't treat me well and I'm, I'm doing something else. I'm not going to invest again. And that's this kind of media investing sentiment that we get in now. The example that I was giving you is that if you just simply look at an index fund, which is not the way that I would do this in retirement, I, I use some indexing, some active management, sometimes individual stocks. But if you would have started at one of the scariest times to invest and put in a million dollars into Vanguard Balanced Fund, VBIAX, using this uh, YCharg scenario tool, and you said, okay, I'm going to put the money in, I'm retiring, I want 40 grand a year, so I'm going to withdraw $10,000 per quarter out of this fund. Well, by February of 2009, which is basically when the stock market bottomed the first week or two of March of 2009, your $1 million, your portfolio after withdrawals, you'd have been staring at $640,000 on paper. It would have been very, very scary. It was a rough time, especially for those that didn't have the proper withdrawal plan. They were just blindly pulling money out. Now, but guess what? Your your million dollars, as you continue to pull a ten thousand dollars out per quarter, your six forty would have became one million dollars again by March of twenty thirteen. So essentially, a person had to wait from October two thousand seven to March of twenty thirteen to a recovery. Right, that was a, a long period of time. So. What's the ending result if we look to, you know, all the way back to all the way forward to November of 2022? That person, if they continued at a flat amount of $10,000 per quarter, would have pulled out $390,000 out of the portfolio, but the, the fund would have still been worth $1.45 million today, even after the correction that we're having. One of the things that you look at in the stock market, especially when you're having a rough year, is, okay, the total return of the S&P 500 this year is down 18%. But if you look back and you say, what's the total return of the S&P 500 with dividends over the last three years, we're still up almost 30%. The market's positive 70% of the time, negative 30% of the time. That's part of investing should actually get excited when the markets pull back 20%, realizing that, yeah, um, average decline could be more. It could go 10% easily lower from here. You could argue that point, but still continue to buy because three years later, the returns are pretty phenomenal in most cases. Now, that example that I gave you, what you know, that's a, that's a great tool. It's an interesting example. And again, Vanguard Balance is not a recommendation by any means. Consult a broker advisor before taking any action on anything. But in real life, a couple of different things happen. In real life, you have to adjust your withdrawals every so often to keep up with inflation. And this is how it should work. This is why, and, and this is a perfect example of why I'm constantly repeating myself on the air saying, you always have to have three years worth of portfolio draws and safe money going into retirement. That's not expenses. That's too high. That's too much cash. It's portfolio draws. How much principal are you going to have to draw from your portfolio over and above dividends and interest 
and social security and pension and real estate income and things like that. You need three years worth of those in safe money. And that can be FDIC insured banks. It can be T-bills and T-notes and things like that now. And this is how it should work. You should always, once you retire, have your dividends and interest because stocks pay dividends, bonds pay interest. Have that sent to your checking account. That's usually going to get you around 2.5% of your portfolio that's going to be paid out in good markets or bad markets. And then on a quarterly basis, you don't just blindly withdraw. On a quarterly basis, if the market is positive, you sell some of that growth to replenish the cash that you've spent so that you're constantly prepping for the that bear market. You're constantly prepping for these scenarios and they're not as scary when they happen because you realize, oh, okay, well, we're going to go through a period of time where the market's going to have a rough patch, a recession that typically ha- happens you know, somewhere between four every seven years or so. These market declines, they're going to happen several times throughout your retirement. So if you have a plan for withdrawals where you're a little bit more active of the management of your withdrawals, not only just better diversification on your portfolio between growth and value and paying attention to what types of bonds that you own, but also um, making sure that on a quarterly basis, because a lot of, if you look at returns for each year in the stock market, oftentimes the big returns come in one or two quarters. It's not like this steady flow upwards all year long. And so you have to be a little bit more active on timing your withdrawals over and above your dividends and interest in retirement. I'm trying to tell you timing doesn't matter at all when you're building wealth. You just continue to actively invest and plug away. When you get a raise, try to put more money into your 401k and your Roths. But timing the market does make a difference when you're retired, making sure you don't have to draw on a down market. And yes, 2022 is an example where both stocks and bonds are down at the same time. So again, how it should work is you could be always taking the dividends and interest on your portfolio, um, which will get you the you know two to two and a half percent between your stock dividends and your bond interest. And to get to the remaining amount that you need um, of your four percent draw, you sell those gains on a quarterly basis. So when you're trying to you know figure out what your retirement plan looks like, one of the first steps is to say, okay, what's your What's your ultimate social security strategy in your situation? So for a lot of people these days, it's, you know, can you wait till age 70 to take your social security? Because for your full retirement age of 67 to 70, it's like getting an 8% rate of return on your money. And, you know, we just had an announcement of 8.7% cost of living increase on social security benefits. And so now... The maximum benefit you can get out of Social Security if you made over the wage base for more than 10 years or so is $4,485 a month. So a lot of people are paying more attention to Social Security. Now, the offsetting bad news is that now everybody's paying FICA on more of their income. You're paying, instead of paying FICA tax on the first 147,000 of income, you're paying it on the first 160,200 of income. So likely we're going to see a lot more increases like that and delayed. Uh, ages on Social Security. But once you know what your Social Security strategy is and you can you know, do a cash flow model of that, know what all your expenses are, including healthcare costs, 
and a basic estimate on taxes, the next step to planning is say on a general basis, are you likely to have a lot of money left over when you're 100 years old that you're going to be leaving to your kids? Or do you barely have enough to retire? If you have a lot of money left over that you're going to be leaving to your kids, the next step is to, are, are you going to be doing an IRA to Roth conversion strategy where you're from the date of retirement through age 72, where you have required minimum distributions kicking in, are you able to really maintain a very low bracket? And if so, can you convert some money from an IRA to a Roth each year? And, you know, especially to stay out of the 22% federal bracket so that you have a lower tax situation after age 72 and a tax-free pool of money that grows and grows in your Roth IRA. That's step number two before you can then kind of determine, all right, what's my overall withdrawal strategy then? What am I going to live off of from the date of retirement to when Social Security kicks in, in some cases at age 70? Where am I going to pull the money? Once Social Security kicks in, how does that change my withdrawal strategy? And once my required minimum distributions kick in at age 72, how does that change the withdrawal strategy again? There's a lot that goes into retirement distribution planning, especially if you have account diversification. That means do you have, if you have only money in a 401k that's never been taxed, well, you're paying taxes and the money comes out. There's not a heck of a lot you can do besides maybe a little bit of an IRA to Roth conversion each year. But if you have normal taxable brokerage accounts, you know, non-retirement accounts with maybe highly appreciated stocks, mutual funds, or ETFs, 401k, Roth IRAs, or Roth 401k, it can get very dynamic. You can do a lot of planning to keep your taxes low every year, but it changes a little bit every year. For example, last year, a lot of funds and ETFs kicked off huge capital gains. The largest I'd seen since like 1999. And um, so a lot of people were surprised on the capital gains side. This is going to be much different if you did active tax loss harvesting in your portfolio to offset any gains that you might have. So when you're trying to reset right now, you're trying to say, okay, what do I need? Do I have enough to retire still? Do I need to go back to work? Do I, do I, can I, I was going to retire in 2024. Can I still do that? Number one step, know your expenses. That includes what's going to get you out of bed in retirement. Know your healthcare costs, Medicare B, supplemental insurance premiums, insurance coverage to age 65 and then after. Know your automatic income, your pension, your social security, your rental income, dividends, and interest on your taxable account. Figure out what your draw rate is. Three years of that, that's your safe money. And then you start working on asset allocation in each type of account. A lot goes into retirement planning. That's where we're doing this event on November 17th. You can find out more at chadburton.com. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. 
You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. To continue on uh, with our discussion on how do you create the proper portfolio draw rate? For, for First of all, the 4% rule is not dead. Uh, now that fixed income slash uh, fixed income, when you hear that term, it's the same thing as bonds. Now that bonds have become much more attractive, um, the idea that you should be able to generate you know, three and a half to four percent of your portfolio at the age of 65, invest in a 60 40 type of a portfolio and draw out a little bit more each year to keep up with inflation, that still now holds true because bonds are so much more attractive than they were last year. So I wouldn't be scared of it. I think you just need the proper diversification. You need to make sure that you, when you are withdrawing from your portfolio, you're doing it strategically, where you also, like I said, have enough of your draw rate, the amount that you're going to pull out over and above your dividends and interest, three years worth of that, always in cash. And then quarterly, you're doing reviews to say, how much of a cash have I spent? And if the market's up, you replenish the cash that you've spent by peeling gains, by, by selling some stuff. Now, this is where it gets complicated. There's so many things that are complicated about retirement planning. There is, okay, how is your social security taxed? Well, over a certain level, and for most people that can afford to live in the Bay Area, it's your modified adjusted gross income plus half of your social security, blah, blah, blah. It's a very complicated rule, but typically about 85% of your social security income is taxed as ordinary income. So keep that in mind. Um. But then you have two different tax tables. You have the ordinary income tax table. And then you also have the capital gains tax table. If you have no other income at all, except dividends from US-based stocks and gains from selling stocks or real estate that you've owned for over a year, you're in the capital gains bracket. And so, for example, if you're... uh, Married couple filing jointly, you can have 80,800 of capital gains plus whatever your standard or itemized deduction is and essentially have a 0% federal rate. If that's the only income that you have, that's a 0% federal rate. Now, if you have other income, that other income can push your capital gains rates up into that either 15 or 20 to 23.8% federal bracket. So sounds complicated, right? It's because it is. Like what you do with other assets can affect your capital gains and your dividend taxation. So sometimes in retirement planning, especially prior to Social Security and prior to your required minimum distributions kicking in, you can kind of rotate. You can have one year, oh, I'm going to sell some concentrated stock positions to create some liquidity for the next year or two and pay capital gains rates. And then the next year, I've got enough cash on the sidelines to live now. So maybe the next year I'll do a certain amount of IRA to Roth conversion to stay maybe even under a 12% ordinary income tax bracket, depending on your tax situation. So there's a lot of pre-year-end tax planning that should be done when you're dealing with a retirement plan. If you're close to or at retirement and you're simply getting charged, you know, 1% or more on your portfolio for somebody to create a pie chart of mutual funds, ETFs, or stocks, that's the easy part. With technology, that's the easier part. Doing all of the other planning, the tax analysis, the cash flow analysis, Monte Carlo simulations, 
IRA to Roth conversions, when to take Social Security, how does IRA to Roth conversions potentially affect how much you pay in Medicare Part B premiums? That's what you should be getting out of that relationship. So if you're not, make sure you, you know, shoot me an email, chat at chadburton.com or just go to the website, chadburton.com and check out the team because that's what you should be getting that and tax and estate advice on top of that. One of the popular topics, speaking of that, at highly concentrated positions, I obviously deal a lot with this with a lot of clients in the in the Bay Area, in the, the tech industry, Apple, Microsoft, Cisco, places like that, where people are, you know, I've got this highly concentrated stock position and now I've gone through a correction. Okay, now I realize why I need to diversify as I'm close to retirement or in retirement. But man, it's kind of painful to sell right now. Let's say you have a brokerage account. So this is a non-retirement account. And you really need some income from it, but you're really, now you're afraid to sell because you've seen such a huge decline, right? You've got a 30% decline in the, in the, in the NASDAQ. And things are rough, but your tech stock, man, it feels like, it feels like it's pretty, pretty low and that the bottom might be close. So how do you create some income, but still ride the stock up? What can be done is what's called a covered call. You can sell covered calls on existing positions. And I would, you know, we use a, we use another professional to do this. This is not something I do for myself or for clients. We use an outside party to help do this, but we sell covered calls to create income on a security that you know you want to eventually sell. So the way that I think about it is options are a good way to um, protect wealth that you've already created or create income off uh, positions that you don't want to sell quite yet for possibly tax reasons. Maybe you want to, you know, wait to see if it goes up or push it off so the tax situation is is next year instead of this year. And by selling covered calls, you can often generate three and a half to seven percent per year of extra income on a security and still ride the security up the majority of the way to the upside. So, like, you could sell covered calls, create some income, and know that if that stock's jump and potentially gets called away from you, you'll participate in 15% of the 20% move that it makes before it's called away and sold or you buy the calls back. Um, and a lot goes into that. But there is there's strategies around that where you can do some very tax-efficient um, liquidation strategies so that if you have a highly concentrated position, you know that's not a wise thing to do going into retirement, but you're, hey, I want to I ride this back up and then really take care of the problem. That's a way to create some income in the meantime. So if you have questions on that, make sure you shoot an email. Just go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. And there's, man, really only a few spots left um, at the November 17th Palo Alto Retirement and Income Strategy event that Rob Black and I are doing. That's also a sign up at chadburton.com. You can find the podcast and all the other links there. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. 